To the hyper time, the hyper time to pocket. Wait, 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 wait. What are we doing here? We're this is a bi weekly podcast. What are we doing here on the bi week? I don't. Oh, well, oh my god, I'm, I'm so uh, I've, I have seized control of this episode. I've oh hijacked, no, <laughs> I have hijacked it. And, and oh my god, actually, no, I should not. I can't say the word hijacked. That is. That is, that is a, <laughs> I, well, I do this every every podcast I'm on, I try to hijack it. <laughs> yeah so we decided to have a special podcast today there is something big going on over in the dc offices and while not all of it is pleasant we're not going to talk about that we're going to talk about something that will come in the changes in the books themselves and that is a topic that my co-host alan Muir wanted to discuss today so we're doing a little special thing today and alan do you kind of want to get into it yeah, so as you've probably heard, listeners in the news, like in the news sites, like Newsarama, Bleeding Cool, uh, CBR, ComicBook.com, DC is going to be changing things up, which which is something that is not an, a foreign concept. <laughs> no, it is not. They've been, I mean, they've been doing it for the past nine, almost nine years. <laughs> it's sort of a different take on what they've been doing. So after future state which is going to be january and february in march there's going to be dc omniverse which is going to be the new take on continuity where everything happened or everything that ever did happen happened and is a take on or it's been compared to marvel now from 2015 which in and of itself was uh axel alonso who was the editor-in-chief of the time Described it as the next chapter in the ongoing saga of the Marvel Universe. So just put a strike through Marvel Universe and insert DC Universe. And it's basically a way to bring in new readers, whether old readers, lapsed readers. And ironically, uh, Joe Quesada said, unlike DC Comics, the new 52, it's, it's not a reboot, but a shifting of the Marvel Universe following the events of Avengers vs. X-Men which is very timely considering the most recent recording we did. <laughs> which people will not hear until January. Yeah, so. So as someone who hasn't really been keeping up with the current books since like 2013, how can you kind of describe all the changes that led up to this point? Yeah, so as with every DC reboot, relaunch, New World Order, in 2016, they they announced Rebirth, and it had been rumored on the internet for a while that something was going on with DC, and they put out a a very a, a video of Jeff Johns how things were going at DC, saying things like, probably correctly, he started off with Green. What he did with Green Lantern last Rebirth, breathing. All right, everyone. Sorry about that. Um, our recording device here kind of gave us a little hiccup, so uh, there's going to be a little editing involved here, but you'll probably notice a little bit of a disconnect with what we're discussing, but that's the reason why. So anyways, Alan, if you want to keep going about Jeff Johns and 
how he kind of introduced everybody in 2016 to Rebirth? Yeah, so once he had, he, he said that on like a certain date, I think it was May 25th or May something of 2016, there was a one shot titled DC Universe Rebirth would be released. And that was his viewpoint of where things were going back when he was chief creative officer. And then things changed later on. Things got a little bad as evidence as seen by. I can't think. I mean, I can't think of this episode. <laughs> uh, the Tom King uh, crisis book. Oh, uh, Heroes in Crisis. Heroes in Crisis. So many considered that to be the death or the end of DC Rebirth because they made Wally West, who was the face of Rebirth and like emblem of Rebirth. Even in books, people were saying in Titans, they were constantly saying things and his mind just broke. Hmm. So you had different things that were seen as in, in continuity and things that were who knows, like uh, Doomsday Clock. And after Heroes in Crisis and after Doomsday Clock, there was a miniseries that uh, Scott Dell worked on, which I now regret reading or buying in the first place, considering <laughs> all the problems that all the bad drama surrounding Scott Dell. That it basically had Tempest Fugonaut, who is another Monitor-esque character. Mm, I remember you telling me about him. Yeah, his name is the only cool thing about him. And he it had him running around the multiverse. And it was going to lead into this thing called Generations. Which I wrote a news piece on the site about. Oh then, yeah, I remember you doing that. Yeah, yeah. It was set for Free Comic Book Day, but then Free Comic Book Day got cancelled. <laughs> as did many things in the post world so what i'm I'm trying to say is dan didio had another plan to change up the books again and that plan was as bleeding cool titled it 5g and this was in reference to like the fifth generation of heroes right yeah and people who weren't weren't as nice attributed it to at&t who is the ultimate owner of dc comics right now People said that it would joke and say it's because it was advertising them going to 5G, uh, like, (laughs) so you just got to love that. And this was back when they had established uh, Wonder Woman as the first superhero in the DC universe. And the Generations book, one of them was going to have her with the JSA having an adventure while the Generation stuff was happening. Things were... Things weren't doing so well at DC Comics in terms of sales. Marvel had jumped ahead. So Dan DiDio, I don't remember if he was fired or if he quit. I want to say he was fired. And after that, there was the DC bloodbath, which was mass firing of DC employees, who one of them was actually... um, Jim Lee's assistant, who people have said is one of like every time every time that Jim Lee had a I think either wrote or drew a story, he, he put him in huh. like he and sneak sneak him into the book. 
now we're in the, as I said, the post time or the end times. <laughs> as I was trying to not trying to subtly allude to. After the bloodbath, there was the cancellation of a bunch of books. Of which I was reading quite quite a few. This includes uh, the Suicide Squad, the return of Hellblazer, which was really good, and Young Justice, the uh, one of the few good things that Bendis was doing at DC. And uh, DC announced Future State, which was basically the work that went in on 5G that was too either too valuable to just dispose of. Or fuck, we pay we, we paid all these people to to write like to do these stories. We got we have to put it out. Find a way to put it out. <laughs> Financially capitalize on the work that's already been done. Yeah, very very much. <laughs> and this future state has things like Superman fighting as an, as a gladiator on War World, which actually I, I kind of like that concept. <laughs> Just and, expanding on the like eighties little story that they did when he was lost in space for a bit there. Yeah, and like how they have Jonathan as the new Superman. Hmm. They have certain characters have been straight up or they have the the new Wonder Woman for Future State is Immortal Wonder Woman. I think I saw a picture of that. Let me double check. Make sure it's the uh, right one I'm thinking of. Nubia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. And then there's John Ridley's Batman that was going to be heavily rumored to be uh, Luke Fox. So, which I I brought up, I think I brought up on a, on a previous recording. Yeah, I think so. And there's now actually rumors that it's Lucius's other son, who hadn't been mentioned in over thirty years. <laughs> like someone who is lost in continuity. Or fall through the cracks of continuity. Hmm. This whole future state event is going to be set up by the final issue of Death Metal, this is the seventh issue next month, and it's going to set up both future state and, if I'm correct, uh, the Omniverse, which was something that people were unsure about. Josh, you straight up said it, that you didn't know anything about this. Yeah, before you mentioned it, I had no idea what the Omniverse was supposed to be about, so I did kind of look up and try and find some stuff out about it. So I got at least a little bit of an understanding of what they're trying to do with it in terms of making it to where the focus on continuity is not as... I don't, I don't even know a good way to put it. Set in stone, I guess. To where it's... Everything they do is so focused on it, and it's more about the stories than the, I guess, linearity of all the stories working together. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in concept, it sounds cool. And I feel like it's stuff that's kind of been toyed with in the past. But it's about the execution that I'm most, most concerned about, because as you mentioned earlier, DC has no problems going back on <laughs> things they've tried to fix before. Yeah, so there's speculation that Brett Bendis started has started setting up Omniverse and Superman and Young Justice. So, like, the final issue of Young Justice, uh, issue 20, had an exchange between Tim Drake and Connor Kent in the old Teen Titans headquarters, which caused them to reminisce. And there's another bit in the Superman book that had an exchange between Lana and Lois, where 
they see each other they greet they greet each other saying uh, lois says wow lana says how long has it been and uh, lois says i have no idea what year it is at this point <laughs> so don't ask me just little comedic jabs here and there about how confusing the whole continuity thing has gotten yeah then recently there was the death metal tie-in rise of the new god which we, we both read to uh prepare for this yep you told me it was pretty important to the idea of the omniverse so i did give it a read so while the two deities basically of the multiverse and the dark multiverse are fighting in very cartoony style <laughs> mm -hmm. just bashing each other with planets there's mention of a higher rung of the cosmic table and a character who looks like a a mix of a, a dominator the anti-monitor and a robot shows up to uh the hellscape and approaches psycho pirate and he then pulls out a briefcase scene that is in a look that is very familiar of pulp fiction where he just opens it and it just shines he's basically searching for his his name's the chronicler and he's searching for people who know whether or not they they consciously know it or whether they don't how things used to be there's a great page that jesus marino did a fantastic job with of showing things like the the JSA mm -hmm. or the birth of the JSA, which we did in a previous episode, the birth of the JLA, Superman of the, I'm not sure it's, if it's the Kingdom Come universe or the just the, the original Superman, which we also did an episode on. Mm -hmm. And then it has certain other Easter eggs like the Rebirth Detective Comics cover, Wonder Woman... Strangely, Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern and Jack Knight as Starman. And he says these stories do seem to be worth remembering, but they have not been cared for. <laughs> he then just sort of like phases out and goes to Brainiac's uh, ship where he encounters Vrel Dox, Brainiac's son. Who seems to be aware of this greater omniverse and, and is yeah, hoping to... <laughs> he's trying to... He's trying to cut a deal. <laughs> that's the only way I can describe it and the chronicler has the power to cause light beams to shoot out of pe uh, people's orifices <laughs> we're, we're only showing the eyes and the mouth we're not showing anything else which I'm glad <laughs> yeah it seems to be his way of pulling information out of their heads and into his uh, what's it called uh Codex Omniversa or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Codex Omniversa. And the page I mentioned earlier is him was him doing that to like him getting information from uh, Psycho Pirate with with Vril. He gets information about Brainiac Prime, Vril's father, the Green Lantern Corps, Adam Strange. Uh, is that is that Mongol? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Mongol Moral World. And then, like I said, the Green Lantern Corps and, and Mogo. And then he ultimately resurrects or reconstitutes, as, he's, as he puts it, uh, Metron, who the one shot opens up with exposition about the Mobius chair, which was destroyed, if I recall, at the end of Darkseid War. I think so. Wasn't that done kind of because Reverse Flash had it, right? Or he had... God. This is where I get all confused. Because <laughs> okay. it's what led into Doomsday Clock, right? 
Uh, no, led into rebirth. That's right. Yeah. So in just during the dark side war, which lasted like a very much feels like less like, like war. <laughs> there are many one shots of different things like just League became gods in the story and Batman became the god of knowledge or Metron is his chair. Metron just died or he, he or no, he was killed by the original sitter of the chair who's revealed to be the anti-monitor wh- whose original name is Mobius. Hence mm-hmm. the name Mobius chair. And over the course of the chroniclers appearance, like his time in on, on screen, if I, if you, if, if, if I will, the way uh comic pop put it is that he's basically a executive or <laughs> the equivalent. He's the equivalent of a DC executive or a, or a higher up executive, like a Warner brothers or AT&T. And he starts to come around on, like this, this universe or this multiverse is worth protecting, or it's worth care. And when Vril is, he he tries to get the codex for himself. Mm-hmm. The chronicler mentions that there are a bunch of that there are more, even more dead universes that have are not as interesting as the DC multiverse. I was gonna say, yeah, he basically gives. Vril docks a peek into what it looks like all these multiverses look like when they die. And he has uh, quite a reaction to that. Yeah. And the three word balloons that uh, Metron gives. And I'm comforted even more that the one who came to take the record has become a believer in us. That means our multiverse will never truly die. They will live on in stories of imagination which at a cosmic scale makes it all real again. The Omniverse is infinite. It's potential limitless. In one form or another, even if we are fully destroyed, we will live on. Which I felt like the second uh, word balloon felt like the whole wrestling, that wrestling is still real to me. (laughs) That's at least how how I interpreted it. And the third is like what will happen if things get really bad. At DC, I mean. Mm-hmm. So with all these changes coming about, how, I mean, if everything goes as planned, how do you feel the whole Omniverse thing is going to play out? Like, in your opinion, do you think it'll benefit DC more? Do you think it'll go back on it at all? I mean, it all depends on how Future State does, because the convergence, all those mini events or miniseries, or mm-hmm. not, not even make series. There were just two issue tie-ins. Those had, or two, only two of, out of the countless amount of those, only two actually managed to have an effect. The Titans Hunt and uh, Superman and Lois. Oh yeah, one that led to the return of the Titans in the DC universe after quite a while away, and then with Superman to the point of retconning the ending of the first Justice League arc of the new 52 saying that pre-crisis Superman was there all the entire time. (laughs) You just didn't know it. And I personally believe that whatever, like as long as they have people there that care about comp about that care about this stuff, about about the history of DC comics that as Metron said, it'll never truly die, which means that, they can do more things than ever come March <laughs> when the uh, 
the Omniverse one shot comes out, which in contrast to the DC Universe Rebirth one shot, where it was Jeff Johns writing it solo with a bunch of artists, it'll be m- multiple creative teams. So there's going to be people like art, like people like Jeff Johns, people like uh, I'm not sure if it's Scott Snyder. Yeah, there's, I think there was a big old list of people who were. I don't remember if it was confirmed or speculated <laughs> as to who would be a part of that. Yeah, so the the bleeding cool. What can we expect from March's DC Universe special? It says it's basically like what to, like what they're hoping to see. So like Scott Snyder, uh, James Tynan, uh, Bendis, Jeff Johns, Josh Williamson, who the latter mentioned on Twitter that he was only writing just Sieg for the death metal tie-ins and that there's more work he's doing at DC that he's more excited about or that he's more enthused to work on. So who knows what will happen. And some, some people that, that I'm pretty sure we'll see stuff from is uh, Sean Murphy, who blew up with his white knight universe that I'm sure can be an actual like can he'll have more freedom with that now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the whole thing with Omniverse is looser continuity, like 80 years of shared continuity or an 80 year uni- shared universe of continuity. And yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm really curious how they're going to lay everything out in that. That one shot in that one shot. I think that will kind of give us a lot of ideas as to how they plan on going forward in terms of what kind of stories they want to tell. Cause I mean, this leaves a lot of doors open as to what's possible. It's just a matter of how they're going about executing all of it. Yeah. I mean, it's the, uh, bleeding cool article says that it won't be like, it won't be a, just a, the wild, wild west where things are just fast and loose. There'll be rules. There'll be a framing system for stories at DC comics going forward, just whatever reality if any they take place in and as with as with the rebirth one shot all this all these stories will be play out over 80 pages of material the writer rich johnson or johnson who wrote the story says i don't know what else to expect at this point but possibly less watchman than last time <laughs> which god i hope so because i don't i don't want more watchmen are you happy with them going this angle Moving away from the multiverse and going towards the omniverse. Yeah, because you can have. I mean, I'm. I have a good feeling that it'll do. Like that, things will get better for DC. As you know, um, like the the video that video I shared with you of DC Comics in the fifties. Oh. Mm-hmm. Right after World War Two ended, that the near death of comics and like as a whole. Like they then implemented the code and it took a while, but things got back on track and something that AT&T tried doing like my, my, my fear is that they sell DC comics, but not just as a whole, but like they sell it piece by piece. That would suck. Like it would, it would be, that'd be more torture than physical torture because like I, I grew up with these, like reading these characters or watching these characters on like the Just League series, Batman the animated series, and the Arrowverse is the original Arrowverse is like its days are numbered. I'm actually surprised it's still going. 
Yeah, it's been almost 10. It's getting close to 10 years. Arrow debuted a little over eight years ago. <laughs> but the other, the thing that the thing that will make this better, looser restraints on continuity means more ideas, which mean, which means more slash new characters and new ways to tell stories. Yeah, I can see both positives and negatives that can come out of this. Like, you know, on one hand, it's nice to kind of have the whole DC universe floodgates open to where you can creatively kind of do anything you want. You know, that being tied down to a specific (laughs) timeline of sorts kind of offers too many restrictions in a way that both harms new readers in the idea of, you know, where they have to read to get up to date. You know, it's the one problem I have right now trying to figure out where exactly I can jump into. And, you know, even reading Death Metal right now, it's like, oh, okay, apparently I'm supposed to be reading Justice League. And I don't know if I really want to do that. And you have about, you know, eight different tie ins each, you know, one for each month. And you have to read the original metal event. And then, you know, where did the Batman Who Laughs come from? And. So it's like this big snowball that quickly turns into an avalanche all because of this continuity tie down of sorts. And so being able to kind of tear that bandaid off and being like, nope, no, that really actually matters. Just read stories you like and you'll be good is great. I like that idea. Yeah. Something else. A few other things I forgot to mention uh, about this looser grip on continuity means you can blur the lines between the different universes like milestone when it when it comes back in february Mm -hmm. the one that seems to have the worst luck wildstorm yeah like i don't know if you've been reading uh the batman solo book but no grifter is a part of the of it now no I feel like there's always three characters that seem to pop in from the Wildstorm universe, and it's Grifter, Midnighter, and Apollo. Yeah, uh, during the DCU period in 20, 2014, there was, like, Midnighter got his own book for about six six issues. Hmm. And I thought I originally thought I was going to be this the end of DC Comics, but it, in fa- in a, if anything, it's just a new beginning. Hopefully it's a good one. Yeah, and we we're also announcing that we are suing DC for the use of hypertime. Man, when you showed me that panel, I got bummed. You know, if if I trusted DC to stick with their guns, I would be more offended by them ruining the <laughs> namesake of our podcast. But considering hypertime was kind of already cast out once in the past only to find its way back into the books. I'm I'm faithful they will still find a way to keep it relevant. I don't know how, but I have a feeling it will come back in some some fashion. You can't kill Hypertime DC. Yeah, to quote um Benny Russell, aka Benjamin Cisco, aka Avery Brooks, you can pulp a story but you can't destroy an idea. <laughs> and like you can't, you, you can't destroy a creation. Maybe it can finally happen, and they will allow Grant Morrison to write that hyper crisis story he wanted to do all those years ago. For <laughs> time, it's hyper crisis. Now he has no excuse. 
It's on the table. <laughs> they can't write it out of continuity now. Well, I mean, they let. Uh, I don't know if you you have have you been reading the the Green Lantern book that uh, Graham Morrison and Liam Sharp are doing? No, I didn't even realize he was still doing that. Yeah, he he did um, the Green Lantern season one, Green Lantern Black Stars, and now the Green Lantern season two. Hmm. And it is really good. Like this season has him. I'm not sure if it's still going. Like if the storyline is still going, but it has Hal Jordan helping like elevate a young group of guardians, like guardians of Oa Mm -hmm. or guardians of the, like the race. And this was months and months ago. And like considering stuff that I think it was, I was watching a comic pop, discussion about if things aren't being watched carefully carefully things can be changed like at marvel with um jason aaron on thor so and like they had graham morrison changing major stuff (laughs) and didn't even address it that sounds like graham morrison all right if anyone can plant the seeds to reverse anything back to what it was or find a way to alter it in a way that he deems would be more doable. I figure Grant would be the one to do that. I do. I hope this works out. I'm hoping they stick with it. I'm hoping it's not a, oh, after two or three years, we're just kind of slowly revert back to how we are, and you really can't tell a difference of the pre-Omniverse, post-Omniverse stories that we were telling. Yeah, I mean, there are certain characters that I have worries about, like Hawkman, who could be the victim of Omniverse, hmm. considering the the bad luck he's had. <laughs> yeah, and I I still have not finished the series. Like it's ending. I think it's either ending this month or next month. And with the the panel I showed you, month like when we first started doing the show, mm-hmm. where it's him and Hawkgirl, like back at back in the four. If anything like a bunch of JSA books. I will buy them all I eat multiple times. If I have to, to make it worth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they're going to do this, I have no excuse. They don't have to worry about making the JSA fit in anywhere. Like that's one of the best things about this idea is that, you know what? If I want to do a Ted cord blue beetle store, I'm going to do it. And then, <laughs> you know, not far down the road, they could do a Jaime Reyes one or something. You know, JSA, they could do, I don't know, Justice League Task Force if they would. It's just the options available to them is fantastic. It's just at some point I'm wondering what the difference is between what they have now, where they have books like Deceased and Injustice that are kind of running concurrently with the main DC line of storytelling, as opposed to what they may eventually be like two years from now. If it's just going to seem very similar. Yeah, hopefully they don't abandon comic shops like they being DC. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the plan like the plan is to dramatically increase or decrease the amount of books, like the amount of output. But I mean, there's still January and February to have like uh, Javon, like he, he he's excited for uh, future state. As soon as I mentioned black a black Batman, he was excited, and he mentioned how the the 
the new Flash is, I think, non-binary. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the future state Wonder Woman is getting a show already, despite not having any. Already? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, Greg Berlani is is working on that for the CW. So if anything, like if like the let's just be honest, the whole when when AT&T bought Warner and DC, ultimately, it was so they can snatch the stories and drag and drop onto films to print money. Mm -hmm. As we saw with like everything with um, HBO Max. With J.J. Abrams working on um, the J- Just League Dark stuff and like the Constantine and I think Zatanna spinoff shows. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's actually true. I maybe just be tripping. <laughs> I'll believe it when it happens. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I'm in my room watching it. Watching Matt Ryan just do his thing. And when I found this out, I, I got a little, I got pretty excited. One of the, I think, I'm not sure if it's artists or writers for one of the Future State books is going to be Dwayne McDuffie's Widow. Oh, Charlotte. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. That wraps it for this tangent-filled episode of Hypertime. So, Josh? Yes? Take us home. Will do. So, as always, uh, please write and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Um, that helps us in multiple ways, and we just appreciate any input as to how we can improve. Um, also, don't forget that we do have a Twitter that you can follow us on, and that is at HyperTimePod. And you can leave topic suggestions. You can leave questions there. I try and do something in with it every day, even if I don't have much time. Um, if that's not your thing. You can also email us at hypertime, the number two podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have other content that is more video game related. If you're into that, you can check us out on VGU.tv. Um, our VGU Twitter is at VGU underscore TV. Um, we have other podcasts in both win and players club. Uh, we have YouTube content. You can check us out. Just Are you a leading lot. things to my uh, my tweet? What was that? Are you leading it, leading things to my uh, tweet that that I put put out? Do about? you want? Do you all mention that? Yeah. So, uh, if you are one of the nineteen subs we have on YouTube, uh, and you're watching anything that I'm doing, which is the really poor production value one or stuff, <laughs> um, Guardians. The Telltale Guardians uh, Let's Beat series I have may not be going up. Oh wait, nope, it is going up. It is they <laughs> they're they're okay with it now. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. So Let's Beat Telltale, Telltale Guardians of the Ga- Galaxy Part Sixteen will have a bit of silence because Jackie D. Shannon is apparently such a beloved artist. Or no, artiste, and pave the re- the pave the way for everyone before her and after her. So she is the Jesus Christ of music, and because she her her music appears in that the Telltale Guardians game, it cannot be heard. So yeah, that's gonna help our numbers. Good old restrictions. Not even trying to monetize it, and we're still being told we can't use it. 
I mean, this happened to us uh, with back on the on Los Arrow uh, channel with the I put together a Dewey video back when I was populating that. Like I was just put, pumping out videos like crazy of W2K19. I I stitched together the current W intro to make it like a co- cohesive production. And yeah, the video got killed. Oh, jeez. Which is so. weird because, you know, there are those like animated music videos where people use the entirety of songs. <laughs> yeah, you know? like I'm not I'm not I'm not a narc, but if <laughs> if backed into a corner, I will rat on people. <laughs> so speaking of your tweet, uh, where can they find that tweet at? They can find that on Twitter at the Alamir. That's two L's and Alan. And M-U-I-R. And you know what? I'm so used to telling people they can't check out our content because it's, you know, going to come up four months after we record. But this one, I plan on dropping the same week we record it. So it should be nice to, you know, just to have that sense of, (laughs) I guess you could say continuity in a way. Where now is actually reflected in the real world. And speaking of the real world, you can follow me on Twitter at jmille 99 and I will post this and any other hypertime stuff there as well. Um, I also don't mention this enough, but when I do post these episodes, we also put this on the VGU.TV, and so while there won't be any real notes for this one, there are notes and you know pictures and all that for any other podcast we do. Um, so yeah. Check that stuff out there. Sources are there as well. Um, but that's that's it for my outro. Alan, is there anything else you want to add before we head on out? Uh, sure. Uh, have faith in DC. And good night. Good night. Bye.